Welcome back to the Pueblo Pigskin Podcast. Uh, another edition here. I'm Austin White, Chief and Sports Reporter. We only got one more of us today. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to the right or left of us. Um, I'm Marcus Hill, also a Chief and Pueblo Sports Pueblo Chief and Sports Reporter. If I get my word straight. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Jeff is off today, so uh, we'll be filling in, talking a little CSU Pueblo in his absence, but. First, we're going to start off with preps and uh, kind of looking back at last week and kind of what we saw. Uh, we were both at a game. We saw some breakout performances. Marcus, what did, you were over at Central for their game. What did you see? Well, you know, outside of Mother Nature's uh, shenanigans, we did have a couple games out there. Um, Central had a very good, very good game out there. Um, Just a little bit. Jeremy Barrows, he had two rushing touchdowns and a reception. That reception came at the end of the first half on a 40-yard 40 40-yard 40 catch. I think it was like nine-second, one-play, nine-second drive. It was back in the second. <laughs> the Wildcats looked great out there. Um, but Jeremy, he did his thing, helped the team get, uh, what was it, 21? Well, 18 points. Yeah. But did his thing out there. They looked great. Yeah, I mean, and – you know, Mother Nature seemed to affect pretty much everyone in Colorado except for I, which I was very thankful for. <laughs> that game started on time at 7 and went right the way through. And uh, really, there's a couple guys that kind of stood out the most. I mean, you could just single out their defense because they, they had five turnovers against Crowley County, which was a team that beat them 48-0 to last year. And instead, Rye won 20-0 to this year. But uh, two guys I'm going to single out are uh, Creed Rawl, he was our leading rusher with 71 yards and a touchdown. And uh, his touchdown kind of sealed the game for him. It was 14-0, fourth quarter. Crowley County still felt like they had a chance, but he broke in there from one yard out and really put the game away. And uh, Robert Buford as well, he uh, didn't have many yards, but he had the first touchdown of the game for Rye on, the, on their opening drive, which kind of set the tone early. And then uh, he also had an interception, which was one of the more fun interceptions we've probably already seen. Uh, Crowley County kid was streaking across the middle, hit him right in his hands, but as soon as the ball got there, he got hit, and it looked like he just kind of like pitched the ball up, and when he did that, Buford was there. Serendipitous. That's yeah. beautiful. It was lovely. It was a very fun interception to see. So those two guys really kind of stood out in that Rye 20-0 win. And I know that Rye talked about that game being like a measuring stick of sorts for yeah. them to potentially make the playoffs because last year was a tough game for them. Um, this year they not only beat them 20 to nothing, but now they're 2-0 because of it. Oh, yeah. Rye is very hyped right now. I mean, the, the playoffs were the goal coming in and really getting that Crowley County win. That's only elevated those expectations now. So oh, yeah. we'll talk a little bit about their game coming up this week against John Ball. And uh, we should probably also mention the Pigskin Classic went down last week as well. Uh, Pueblo West took that 29-3. Yeah, 29-3. Really kind of great performances really all around from West. But uh, their defense really is what stood up. I talked to Anthony Sandstrom who covered it for us, and he said County kept getting deep into West territory, but West was forcing some turnovers on downs and really just obviously kept County off the board all game. Yeah, you know, that was pretty much a similar story to the way it was last year. I believe West won. It was 20 nothing, but, you know, at halftime it was 0-0. And you, know, you really didn't know who was going to win that one. Then West came out and just did their thing. And this year, it sounds like, from the jump, West just had it. I know they were affected by the weather as well, but yeah, it doesn't sound like that uh, hurt West too much. No, I think – I'm pretty sure they had an opening touchdown that Dawson Menegotti on there for his drive. So 
seems like they probably felt it was in the bag from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, that's, what, the second week in a row that they come out and scored on the opening drive. So, yeah, see if they keep that streak alive this week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, before we get into this week, uh, we'll talk a little bit about CSU Pueblo as well. Uh, last week they opened their season on the road against Dixie State and uh, did exactly what everyone expected them to do, kind of crushed them. Uh, again, what was the final score? I think you wrote it down. 36-7. 36-7. All right. Blood that's, yeah, that's pretty much what every person who follows CSU Pueblo probably expected. It was a little different because uh, their uh, starting quarterback, Gunnar Lampbeard, got hurt. I think it was like the first quarter, and uh, Jordan Kitna got in there. Yes, it is uh, John Kitna's son. He got in there and really dominated. I know he had over 200 yards passing, a couple touchdowns, I think. Yeah, and, you know, granted his last name is Kitna, so, you know, and Lee, he came from uh, Texas. It starts with a W. I'm not going to dare try to pronounce it. But, um, <laughs> you know, obviously he showed poise and he showed his uh, composure out there in the pocket, did his thing, and, didn't look to be a backup at all. Like, he looked like he was prepared for that situation, and it was truly the next man up in time for them, and he did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, and really no next man up needed for their defense either. I mean, only allowing seven points again. That's probably going to be a common theme all year for CSU Pueblo. I, I don't see many teams probably getting into double digits. No, I mean, their their defense is just out of this world. It has been for as long as Rissen's been there, which has been since the program came back. And just year in, year out, their defensive status could be they give up so few yards, they control the ball. Um, even if sometimes they don't, they have the defense that backs them up. So it's an amazing thing to see what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh can't quite remember who CSU Plato is playing this week off the top of my head. But I know it's on the road again, and uh, I know they'll probably be huge favorites <laughs> yeah, once again. Even if it's getting starting out this time, I think they'll be okay. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> there's not too many teams you can throw in front of them that I'm going to say are going to just crush or defeat CSUP. So, I mean, they're going to go and get the W on the road. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Moving right along into preps this week. Uh, you know, we got a couple huge games this weekend, uh, one in Pueblo, one just up the road in Springs. Uh, why don't we start with the one that's in Pueblo? It's also the one that comes first. Friday night, number eight East is welcoming in number one Palmer Ridge, who I probably don't need to tell you that that is a rematch of the Class 3A state title game from last year played at the Thunder Bowl. And obviously right there, that's probably the biggest storyline is the fact that this is a rematch and East is probably going to want a little revenge. Yeah, and, you know, this is the perfect time um, three games into the season. Jack's starting to hit a stride a little bit. Um, Palmer Ridge is, I believe, they are 2-0. and They're, like, top in the state. Um, this will be a really good measuring stick for East to see where they match up with some of the best in the state. No doubt. I mean, kind of looking at Palmer Ridge, where we kind of want to start, you know, where any offense really starts as their quarterback. And, Marcus, you noticed something that happened with their quarterback over the weekend just – after their one game against Canyon City. Yeah, so um, Luke McAllister, the uh, the junior quarterback for Palmer Ridge, he got a D1 scholarship offer after their 48-0 victory against Canyon City. And, I mean, th- th- I'm not going to slight this kid in any sort of way, but he went 9 for 12. Um, that seems pretty crazy to get a scholarship offer, but those nine completions must have been phenomenal, and he must have had some amazing zip on that pass yeah. because 
apparently this kid is the real deal, so we'll get to see on Friday night what he's capable of. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting a Division One offer as a junior, it it doesn't even matter what Division One is. I mean, that's incredible, and really, that's only a stepping stone for him too, because. I, it was CSU that offered it, right? Correct. So, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I'm a CSU grad. CSU's not the best school to get a D1 offer from, but still, that's a stepping stone. And, you know, they had their quarterback last year, Ty Evans, who originally had committed to CU, and then, you know, CU changed their head coach. That's probably the biggest thing. And he went on to NC State, still a Division One in the ACC, debatably probably even better than CU. So this could just be another stepping stone for this kid. And, East is going to see if he kind of lives up to that hype. Yeah, and, you know, the thing to remember with this, um, kid is a junior, so. Yeah, that's it. And I believe they are two, one or two games into the season. So, you know, for him, he's only going to progress as the year goes along, and then he still has a whole other season. Um, if East can do what they did to tie last season and make him look silly, then that would make a, a big statement for what they are what they are defensively to develop an identity that way. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned it last year, they these two teams played before the state title game as well. They played in the regular season. It was at Palmer Ridge and East took it to them. I, I can't remember the exact interceptions, but I know there was, I think there was five turnovers at least East committed. Five. And that was on the road. And this game this year is going to be a Dutch, you know, I've, you know, different names. You know, I think Kane Madrano was involved in a couple of the interceptions, but Still, they were able to turn over Palmer Ridge, and now they have a quarterback who doesn't have the same experience as Ty Evans had last year. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I think the Palmer Ridge coaches, they should have them pretty well coached up, but East is the same story. They, I mean, they have a lot of bodies out there again. Um, granted, they're still missing a lot from last year, but they, they have plenty of replacements. They have plenty of guys who have stepped up and done their thing. They're one at Berks. They're one at one now. Um they came out and they had two close games. They had a close contest last week, I believe it was against Longmont. Um, 26-22, went on the road, got the victory. Very hard fought. So, yeah, 4E school. So they're showing themselves. They're showing what they're capable of right now. This game is going to be the one where they have to truly step up and step into form. Yeah. I think, obviously, you want to stop. You want to start with stopping quarterback. But uh, looking at last year in the 3A title game, uh, what really hurt is was uh, <laughs> it's an interesting name he's got. Rafe Rule on Palmer Ridge. Let's try to say that five times fast. <laughs> but he was the he was actually the MVP of the state title game. He had 142 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And he's back. He was just a junior last year, so I think that might be where East wants to start this game specifically, stopping that run because that killed him in in the title game. Yeah, and, you know, with the run, you get to control the clock, and that's the, the big thing that did East End last season, and it's what's gotten them into a little bit of trouble in some of these games. Um, You know, they've had to play catch-up um, their first week out. They were behind, they fell behind after the break, and then they had to play catch-up, so they had to go to the air. Couldn't utilize the run game as much as they wanted. And then, you know, Noah Rivera last week, he they utilized the run game well, and look what happened, so – that's going to be the big the focus point. If they can control the run game and control rule, that'll be that'll be pretty optimal. Control the rules. Control the rules. <laughs> I like that. That's that's East motto this week. <laughs> control the rule. Yes. Exactly. All right. Uh, we'll move on. And that's a Palm. I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Palmer Ridge is ranked number one in three A. 
East is ranked number eight. So that's a big showdown for, you know, just really for the whole state to kind of take a look at when it comes to class three. And, you know, speaking of top 10 matchups, you're going to have that one Friday. And then out the road at 1 PM on Saturday, you're going to have another with number five discovery Canyon. They're hosting number six Pueblo South. And that's going to be another great game. I mean, last year, if you were there, you probably remember it. This one went, was at Dutch, went to overtime, South scored, and Discovery returned the favor, and then they went for two and got it, and that's how the game ended, 42-41. So that's probably some big motivation for South already. Yeah, okay. and, you know, the thing that kind of stinks about that loss was that was like South, they knew that they had a tumultuous schedule in front of them, and then had they gotten that win, that would cushion the blow a little bit. And then – just as it looks like they're about to get the W, Discovery Canyon steals their thunder. Ha-ha. See what I did, See what uh, I did there? Yes. They, they stole their thunder, but, I mean, you can't ask for much better performance than what Southgate last year. And this year it doesn't seem like they'll have that issue as far as, you know, some of those close game losses that they had last season. It seems like they're hitting their stride pretty well. Yeah, I mean, that it feels like that came last year. You know, that was the third game like it is this year. That kind of felt like the game where, you know, South last year put it together. You know, they had a bunch of new guys, played those first two games, got that under their belt, and it felt like the, the disco game was where they, you know, put it all together. They, they suffered another lot. They had to play Palmer Ridge, which was tough. So they weren't able to get the win the week following. But, you know, this year they haven't had, you know, that transition time. They've already taken down Holy Family and Erie, which are two teams they lost to last year. So – this time around, it feels like this could be another opportunity for them to get some revenge. Yeah, and, you know, like we mentioned before, both of these teams going in are 2-0. and um, Discovery Canyon is number five. South is number six. So that tells the entire thing right there. It should be another close game. Um, yeah. Logan, let's see his stats. Logan Pettit, he is 23 of 38 this season. Um, 307 yards, three touchdowns. Want to get the interceptions down. He's at three right now, but – Still looking pretty solid, doing things the way he needs to, coming up clutch the way that he's expected. Um, George Longoria, he has 49 carries, 350 yards, four touchdowns, had a big run for 80 yards earlier this season. Um, Jackson Dickerson, he's at 12 receptions, 168 yards, three touchdowns. So all their big guys are expected or playing the way that they expect, and that's exactly what they'll be come this weekend. I'm – I'm hyped on Longoria. I mean, this just from the first game against Holy Family, I was impressed because he had over 30 carries and 180 yards, a couple of touchdowns. And then this week he goes on the road. Last week went on the road. And I think it was another – he had 170 last week, another two touchdowns. And this – he I don't I don't think he was playing much last year. I don't remember seeing his name. And for him to burst out in these first two games like this, I mean, that – where in New South probably had good had a good aerial attack with Pettit and Dixon back, you know, Andy Smith back as well. But now to add a run game with Longoria that he's shown that one, he's tough, he can take all these carries, and two, he can get the yards. I mean, that's a whole other element to the South offense. Yeah, and that's pretty important for them too, because you know, going on the road, being so far from home, especially it's a unique thing. A lot of athletes are so into their not necessarily their schedule, but their routine. The past couple weeks, they played at 7, played at 7. Now you have to go on the road and play on a Saturday at 1 p.m. Yeah. So that's going to be a bit of a flip. And then, you know, running the ball, 
that's always there. No matter what happens, um, you know, passing could be if you're off by a split second or not, it could be an interception, it could be an incompletion. But as long as he's able to run the ball effectively, they should be able to take care of this game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You want to pick these two games? What do you Eastern, let's start with East Palmer Ridge. What, what are you thinking, Marcus? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know these are both, I think these are both tough games. I'm going to give East the edge against Palmer Ridge. They are going to upset. If you're listening, you can't see the air quotes, but upset Palmer <laughs> Ridge. Um, I'm going to go 28-27 East. It's going to be a close one. Yeah. I, oh, man. I've, I've been trying to decide going back and forth between each one. But I think East being at home, you know, there's not as much pressure as a title game. I think I'm going to go with East, too. I feel like they've you know, kind of figured out what they want to do on offense, especially with a Jack. You know, we saw it with South last year. It took a couple games to get their guys in. I think East will be in a similar boat, and I think they'll uh, take care of Palmer Ridge. Uh, probably a similar score to what you said, maybe like 30-28, something like that. Less than a touchdown for sure, I think. Oh, yeah. This 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 is going to be a very close contest. I mean, East, their first couple have, so. Yeah. Like, their opener on the on the scoreboard, it doesn't look close, but that was a relatively close game. It was. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. It's it gonna is. Be good. Yes, it is. All right, how about South? What are you going there? Definitely taking South in this one, um, 35-27 over Discovery Canyon. All right, yeah. I'm going with South, too. I mean, I think South just has shown the most completeness of really any team in Buffalo we've seen. I mean, they've got great defense. You know, we touched on their offense, too, in Longoria, what he's been able to do. And, you know, last year with a team that I don't think is as good as this year's team took this disco team to overtime. So I think South avoids that this time. I'm going to go I'm gonna go 35-20. I, I think it's more than a more than a one-possession game. 15 points, huh? Yeah. Getting hyped on Ooh. South. Let's go. If they, yeah, <laughs> if they can do it, we'll see. But, I mean, either way, we got them both winning, so. Yeah. We both have them winning, so I, I think I think we're pretty much in the clear for that. I think South takes this one fairly, wouldn't say easily, but I yeah. think they'll they it won't be as close as it was last season. Yeah, I agree. Looking around, we're gonna whip around the rest of Pueblo. I mean, we got five other high schools to touch on. Uh, where where should we even be? Let's go Pueblo West. They're playing uh, Mesa Ridge, which for the new number four team in Class Four A. Uh, I think that should be a relatively easy win. I would imagine West looks great. Obviously, you know, Plain County last week is a is a school that's in a different class, literally with class three and four A. But West looked great. They went on the road and beat Fruita in week one pretty easily. I don't see Mesa Ridge giving them much of a challenge. Well, last season West beat Mesa Ridge. It was I believe forty two zero. Yeah, forty two zero. So. I don't think this one gets much prettier, and I'm going to say somewhere in the range of 50 to 0. 50 to 0. Oh, yeah. 50 one, bird. This one gets ugly. Bold predictions fast. from Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> the only kind I like to do. Yes. I will also take West. I don't know if I'll venture out that far. But I think, may, you know what? Maybe like 48 0. That's, that's pretty close. Yeah. It'll get to a running clock, and West will, you know. Put in some backups, maybe they can find a way to get a touchdown. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that last second touchdown comes in. But I mean, that's at the same time, that's what West dealt with last year, just playing some of their backups. So <laughs> yeah. now their backups have a much better understanding. So it'll be, be yeah, this one could get ugly quick. It's going to be rough. 
Uh, well, let's go with uh, Central next if we want to talk about blowouts because I believe we both think this will be another blowout. Uh, Central's going on the road for their first time this season, but it's going to be at Mitchell, and uh, I don't think either one of us has too much confidence in Mitchell. No, and, you know, after watching Central play last week, I mean, they, they just looked complete. Obviously the first game out, but they got it on defense, special teams, offense, um, the pass game, the run game. Guys on the sideline were hyped. Everybody needed to do what, or did what they needed to do. Everyone was in position. They, they were like a, a well-oiled machine out there and took care of business the way that they expected to go out there and do so. I mean, the only question probably was, could Brandon Martin handle being quarterback? Could he make the throws? And, you know, from talking to you, it sounds like he was on it. Yeah, I mean, looking at him back there in the pocket or if anything broke down, he looked like he had been there before. Like, that did not look like his first game playing QB at all. Um, didn't look like he had much pressure on him. The whole line did a great job of giving him time back there. And even the, you know, very few instances where they didn't, he was able to break out, either find an open receiver or, you know, pick up the yards with his feet. So he got it done wherever he needed to do. Yeah. What's your score prediction? <laughs> Another 50 burger? Not quite a 50 burger. Ah, it's not going to be man. pretty. Um, no double 50s this week. I got Central taking this one 40 to 7. And the 7 comes late yeah. just because things happen. And that's, <laughs> that's the way my things, goes. Things happen. That's the best way to put that. You know, and I, I'm just going to copycat that because I agree probably in the same way Central will get up big and, you know, probably running clock and put in some backups and maybe Mitchell scores then. Oh, yeah. Probably not too close for this one. Moving right along to Central's arch rival in Centennial. They are going to be on the road again this week. Or there's, this is their first road game. Sorry about that. And they're going on the road Thursday, short week for them, which – they should get used to because they have quite a few Thursday games this week or this season. But uh, are they going on the road to Liberty? Liberty. That's oh man, I forgot. We were talking about the Liberty jingle. Yeah, we I we won't do it now, so we don't want to get stuck in y'all heads. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll spare you on that. Yeah. But what are you what are you seeing? You saw Centennial last week in that kind of tough loss. What are you kind of looking for? I mean, if offensively, they looked like they had what they needed to get done. Yeah. Um, where the breakdown really happened was on defense. And um, the thing that's interesting is Greg Gardinette from Sand Creek. That was their first game. So in 2018, that kid had negative 19 yards after Centennial just beat Sand Creek up very bad. Um, Last week, I believe he had 209 yards on 10 carries, three touchdowns. Yes. Broke out an 85-yard run. I believe he had one of 40-plus. Um, yeah, he did damage <laughs> against them. So Centennial's big thing is going to be stopping the run. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's a recurring thing, stopping the run, stopping the run, stopping the run. But that's what really did them in, that and limiting the turnovers because I believe they had a fumble return for a touchdown and an interception return for a touchdown. So yes. take those off the board. I believe the score is 27-28. Wow. Yeah. And a lot closer. Yeah. Like that, it's a completely different game. The finish is completely different. But instead, visually, it looks like a blowout and it wasn't necessarily close. But I think Centennial is a much better team than what they showed last week. Um, yeah. I, I think the delay got to them a little bit. They 
they actually had a very unique delay. They started the game on time, and then about five minutes into the first <laughs> yeah. quarter, they get an hour and some change delay and just have to professional it up and come back out there like nothing happened. That's tough. Yeah, that that really that was a unique situation to be in. So yeah. we'll see how they turn it around this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Centennial to be will be to score early because when you have a team that runs so much, you know, that's also going to take a lot of time because. So Daniel had good drives in that game, but I think one of them ate up like nine and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean when you're down, you can't you can't be taking nine and a half minutes. Yeah, it's good that they were able to take that much time, but it's just unfortunate with the scoreboard yeah. show because they they needed that drive to be a little bit faster. So um, you, you know you you can't you can't rush it or you can't take away from it. All they they did their thing, they got there as fast as they could, they scored, but. They just couldn't get those stops when necessary on defense. Yeah. This week, uh, you know, I'm still with all those things. You know, there's a standout kid from Sand Creek. They, I don't think they'll have the same kind of thing from Liberty. Hopefully there's not another lightning delay. I'm going to still roll with Centennial. I think it'll be close, though. I'm going to say maybe 24-20 Centennial gets this red win. I have something pretty close. Um, before I get to my reveal, Centennial beat this team last year, 34-0. Now, they beat Sand Creek in 2018, 55-7. So, <laughs> don't know how to really play that one. But this go-around, I've got Centennial winning 27-20. 27-20. All right. Very Almost close. the same score. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, last of our uh, schools with Pueblo in the name is Pueblo County. They're going to be at home against Canyon City this week after uh, coming off a pigskin classic loss. Uh, really, from this game, what I heard county-wise was uh, Doherty transfer. Uh, Jose Hanford looked like a beast out there. Yep, and once again, Latherus repeat the run game. Um, it's Pinkerton. Yep, that's that's going to be effective <laughs> for them. Um, Chase Hartman still getting adjusted to everything. That's it's a it's a tough tough ask of a kid getting the star relatively last minute to yeah. go out there and do anything big with the pass game. So they kept it more to the ground. Um, but I think the transfer can do some, some amazing things to score around. Um, they were able to be, win this game, I believe last year and this year they should be able to do the same. They should pick up a W. Yeah. Cause I mean, if it's this, if it's home this year, they're probably at Kansas City last year. And I think that's going to add a lot to being at home. So I got County in this one. Uh, up a little bit more points, I think, this week, maybe like 30 uh, 17. They're taking down Canyon City. See, I went relatively conservative with this one. Okay. I said 18 12 county. 18 12. Very like unique, that. very unique yeah. score. Everybody's going to go for twos. Nobody's going to convert. I like it. <laughs> well, they just miss a bunch of extra points. Yeah, we'll I see. How it goes. Too. Yeah. And then, uh, Moving on down south, we got Rye. They're going to be on the road against John Mall, which last year, look, this was a very close game. Last year, the Rye was able to win 10-6, but already this Rye team looks like they take leaps and bounds from last year when they turn a, they turn a 48-0 loss to Crowdy last year to a 20-0 win this year. So I don't expect John Mall really giving Rye too much and this option sweep offense they have because they've got five different options they can have. And, I don't know if John Ball has the bodies to be able to cover all this. Yeah, and, you know, the unique situation with that is just that in such a short time, they were able to install that offense. And it sounds like they ran it pretty efficiently, and they've done so both weeks. So I don't see that switching up this go around. And 
Rye's probably going to move to three and zero. Got a score prediction? <laughs> well, I said probably move to three and zero. I meant will move to three and zero. Oh, confidence. They're going to be or they're going to win this one, forty-two to twenty. Forty-two to twenty. All right, they're giving up their first points of the year. Oh yeah, possibly. <laughs> that was me trying to be generous. Yes. Yeah. one. Uh, you know, last year they only allowed six points, and that was a defense that I don't think is as good as this year. So I'm going to give Rye a third straight shutout. I'm going to say 28-0, Rye going on the road to beat John Mull. No points through three games. No points through three games. Let me down, Thunderbolts. All-time defense out there. <laughs> I picked Crowley last week, so I have to, you know, oh, have, to, yeah, yeah. have to come back with Ryan and give him an extra special prediction this week. you got to make up for that one. I do, I do, because I was completely wrong. <laughs> Last one we got is uh, we got Dolores Huerta. They're on the road, surprisingly. This is uh, one of their two uh, road games of the year. It's against Callahan, who last year, I wrote it down somewhere in my crazy notes, it was one of their closer games. Uh, it was uh, 48-28. This was their homecoming game last year at CSU Pueblo. But, you know, they were able to put up those 28 points, and this team is – Already feels much improved from last year. So just because their first two games from 2018, they were just dominated. They didn't score any. This year, they've kept those games a little bit closer. Last week, they lost 46-22 to Simla. But now it feels like if they're able to kind of put up some points against those teams, now they're playing a team where they saw success last year. So this could be – I know it's on the road, but this could be potentially their first win. Yeah, and – the thing that's tricky with this one, so, you know, obviously they played their first two at home, and then they're going on the road. Um, while the game was relatively close last season, you got to wonder how much do the first two losses affect their psyche. That too. Um, I know that this team is much improved. They've been in uh, eight-man football for, let's just call it a year and some change. I don't know the specifics, but <laughs> a year and some change now, so they have to understand, they understand the ebbs and flows of the game the shorter field, the different distances, and all that goodness. So they can run their offenses better. I would think they have a better understanding of this team, but it's high school football. Everything changes from week to week, and they can either blow them out, they come out and blow, get blown out week. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I'll start first with my game pick. Uh, I think it'll be closer than last year, but this is their first road game, and I think it's going to be tough. For that first kind of chance on the road for a lot of new guys. So I'm going to go Callahan, maybe 30 30 26. I think it'll be the closest game this year so far. I have something relatively similar. Um, We've got Callahan winning this one 32 25. Going on the road, that first one after being at home for two consecutive games is going to be tough on them. So, hey, hopefully they prove us wrong. Hopefully we put our foot in our mouths. But that that's the way that I see this one going. And uh, we got a we got a joke question from a fellow reporter Ryan Severance. Uh, he wants to know how Marcus, resident Lions fan, felt about the Lions game last week. If you don't know, they finished the entire with uh, Arizona. Well, the good news is <laughs> they didn't lose. That's about all I've got because I think it was twenty four six eight minutes left in the game. Usually, I don't like to tweet during games for exactly what happened. <laughs> I'm going to get cocky on Twitter, and then I'm going to ruin it for him, and look what happened. 24-6. In the fourth. Fourth quarter. Like nine minutes left. 
against Arizona. Once again, a rookie quarterback in their first go. It's like, oh, this should be a breeze. No problem. <laughs> then, lo and behold, the Lions lined, and they somehow ended up in a tie. But the best I can say, technically, it counts as a win in the win or in the column because yeah, you get half a yeah half a victory. Can't call it half a defeat because just can't. Half a win is more than what the Broncos got. So yes, yes, Ryan, yes. you can probably sit down with that comment. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Ravens fan now. I'm jumping off the Broncos. I'm going to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, one and zero already. Destroyed every record. Louisville QB. Louisville QB. Awesome. All right. Well, that's been the Polo Pigskin Podcast this week. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, as always, if you have questions, uh, if you missed the live uh, showing, you can still leave your questions below in the comments. We'll be checking this. Uh, you can also email us at csports at chieftain.com. And uh, if you're on Twitter as well, you can just go ahead and add me and Marcus either way. You follow us there. Submit any questions. We'd be happy, more than happy to answer them and you know, kind of get some of you guys involved. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody.